welcome to Why a Book, a podcast where we try not to lose our minds because of our cat <laughs> as we discuss <laughs> YA books from the 2000s and 2010s. I'm Renee. I'm Mary. We're, we're not Nick Cage. No, and I hope we never meet him. Oh, God, I want to meet him. No, because when you meet him, you'll never meet anyone else ever again. Uh, all right. <laughs> if you have not listened to episode seven. Stop now. Go listen to that one, because first of all, that's a fun episode, and this is about to get really depressing. Because <laughs> this week, we're going into Life As We Knew It by Susan Beth Pfeffer. Not Pfeiffer, Pfeffer, which was published in 2006. Okay. So a real sweet spot there for uh, our reading timeline. So yeah, just a fair warning to our listeners, this is a pretty depressing book. So if you're not into depressing books, it's probably not the episode for you. Go on to episode seven. This did make me realize I read a lot of depressing shit because all all but one of the books I've read so far have had a character death or a death be a major theme. I can't say there's been a, a major theme for my picks. But this is also, like, my taste. Generally, I love really sad anime, so... It's just true. It's just the way it is. Anyway, so getting getting into it. This is the description. When a meteor hits the moon and knocks it closer in orbit to the Earth, nothing will ever be the same. Worldwide tidal waves, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, and that's just the beginning. Volcanic eruptions. We'll get into it. Caused by the moon being... Well, so it's pushed toward Earth, which, yeah. like, increases its gravitational pull, which, like, pulls So the that pulls out. the lava out? Apparently. That's not how that works. Have I fact-checked any of this shit? No. I will be fact-checking it based on what I think sounds like real science. Okay. <laughs> Um, and I just wanted to share that they included this review on the back of the book. Um, it was kind of like a car crash I couldn't stop looking at. It's not a good thing. Yeah, so... Is that the... That's the best review they could... Well, there's others. But that's, that's... That's the second one. One of the year's best books. You will read it in one sitting, fighting back tears as you bite your nails. Uh-huh. I was warned. I knew that once I opened the book, I couldn't stop. I also wanted to share the first one, one of the, the year's best books. That's from teenreads.com. Wow. But the other two were just from, like, random blogs. <laughs> well, one the the car crash one is from Greater Victoria Public Library Book Picks for Teens, which has a blog spot, but the other one is just from deepthinking.blogsome.com. That seems like a reliable These source. These are all really reliable sources. Um, it won some awards, an Amazon.com Best Book of the Year. So let's just jump into it. Let's go. So the book is structured as the journal of the main character, Miranda. She's finishing up her sophomore year of high school. So it's also structured in seasons, like different parts, but they're all seasons. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The music also reminded me that ever since I read this in, like, what, eighth grade or something, I have been listening in my mind to the title, Life As We Knew It, to the theme of Life's What You Make It by Hannah Montana. (laughs) Like, life's what... Life as we knew it, like always to myself. Anyway, so we're starting off in spring. It's May, and Miranda's dad has a new wife. Her parents are divorced, but his new wife, Lisa, is pregnant, and he asks her to be the baby's godmother, which she accepts. Um, She feels a little pressured into it, but she accepts anyway. They chat a little bit. She talks a bit about what's going on in the figure skating world, uh, most notably Brandon Ehrlich. Ehrlich, not sure. Uh, Who's one of the top skaters in the world. He's gonna gonna go to the Olympics next year. Um, And he's also from Miranda's hometown. And she's a regular... 
year is this book supposed to take place in? I think, like, 2006. But t- there weren't Olympics in 2007. Whatever, 2004. Who cares? Okay. Okay. There's no year given. It has to be. If, if the Olympics are next year, then it has to be an odd year. Bless you, Cheeto. Well, maybe it's 2005. Okay. If it was published. I'll allow it. Yeah. So... She's a regular on his fan site, and she used to skate, but she quit a while back because she broke her ankle. But she's been, like, thinking about taking lessons again, and Brandon's first coach still coaches in town, so she, like, wants to get lessons with her. So the next day is Mother's Day, which really isn't that important, but she just makes a note of it. And she spends the afternoon on the phone with her friend Megan, and Megan's been spending a lot of time at church with Reverend Marshall, who she talks about like a celebrity. And Miranda called her out on it once, but Megan was like, it's not that different from how you talk about Brandon. And Miranda's like, well, Brandon's like an actual celebrity, like in the skating world at least. And I don't act like he's going to bring my salvation all the time like she does with Reverend Marshall. We'll get, oh. we'll get more into Megan later. Well, this is our Protestants. Yeah. Oh, boy. So at school the next day, Miranda gets a 92 on her math test, which is a concern because her mom is really strict about grades. And then she and Megan and their other friend, Sammy, get into a fight about premarital sex. Oh, Because Megan's super Christian, obviously, but Sammy likes to sleep around, so they just, like, don't get along. But Miranda says that if God didn't want people to have sex, then he would have made everyone amoebas, which, like, fair point. It's a whole thing. Um, okay. Yeah. So Miranda and her mom then get into a fight because her mom started dating this doctor named Peter, and her mom also doesn't want her to start skating again because she already does a lot of other sports, like she's on the swim team. And then she was also planning to try out for volleyball next year, which, side note... I used to play volleyball, and if you're going out for the team junior year, like, just expect it's probably not going to go that well if you've never played before. We did have a girl try out for our team her junior year because she didn't get the role she wanted in the school play. And then she never played before, so she she actually made JV, which was actually pretty good that year because there were a lot of tryouts. And then she quit because she didn't make varsity. I'm like, girl, what did you expect to happen? Weird. So... Miranda's like, I'll do skating instead of volleyball. And her mom's like, you only want lessons so you can gossip about Brandon at the ring. <laughs> she can do that without that. <laughs> I know. I'm like, she's on this fan site. And then Miranda's like, no, this is a, a money thing because they have money to send her little brother to baseball camp, but not for her to take skating lessons. And then her mom's like, no, volleyball is going to look better on a college application. And there's a Why? chance she could make a, a college squad. And I'm like, no, she's not. If she's starting no. off as a junior, there's no way she's going to make a college squad. Like maybe a club team, but she's not gonna play D1 are you kidding me whatever so the next day is Friday the 13th which we all know is a bad day things don't go that bad but this is when they find out that a meteor is gonna hit the moon in a few days from Peter her mom's new boyfriend and nobody thinks it's a really big deal and Miranda still only cares about Brandon in the Olympics um okay if I know anything (laughs) about humanity people would think that's a big deal well so meteors don't even come close to hitting the earth and doom dares are like we're all gonna die at this point like when it's first reported like they're just like, oh, small meteors hit the moon all the time. That's why it has craters. But this one's, like, larger than normal. Oh, okay. So then a few days pass, and then all of a sudden, like, it is a big deal. They're like, oh, it's going to be this big event. Like, you'll be able to see it with binoculars. And a bunch of Miranda's teachers assigned papers, like, relating to the moon. Like, oh, t- write about a time when someone in history saw the moon, and it, like, influenced something that happened. Mm. Whatever. She's just like, I don't care about the moon. I don't care about these papers. I don't want to do my homework. I don't know what I would write about. 
she ends up writing about um, how people didn't care that much about the moon landing because Star Trek was so popular and they'd already seen like space and fiction so they're like oh like whatever we've already seen this on TV was were there people like that did I did I I said I wasn't gonna fact check okay it. <laughs> so I don't know but also I'm trying to think of a time when someone saw looked at the moon and it influenced them yeah like they, some of the other examples they gave were like when people were still first figuring stuff out about like heliocentricity and like the Earth's rotation and stuff like that mm. but. Yeah. All I can think of is my girlfriend turned into the moon. <laughs> that is rough. That's a rough one. <laughs> uh, Miranda also gets another test back. She got an 82, so she's even more concerned about her mom's response. Her mom works from home. She's a novelist, and apparently she has a lot of time to nag her about her grades. The night before the moon thing happens, her older brother Matt calls from college, and she's, like, a little concerned that this is happening because he never calls on a weekday. And he just says that he has a weird feeling, and he wanted to call in case, like, the phone lines got clogged because everyone wants to talk about the moon. And Miranda's like, why would that happen? And he's like, sometimes people panic for no reason. True. Which is very true. <laughs> so the next day, her friend Sammy's complaining about the prompt dress code, which they can't wear anything strapless and nothing too short. And Sammy wants to wear something that she can go clubbing in, which I think she's just really confused about the concept of prom generally. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I also think it's weird that her school has a prom dress code. Well, no strapless specifically. I feel like that's... That's weird. Like, my high school did have no strapless for most school dances, but they waived it for prom because prom. I don't know if we had school dances other than prom. If we did, I never went to one. Oh, my God. There's, like, I could tell you a lot about our school dances. But basically, by senior year, we had a new principal who wanted to ban them all because there was too much grinding happening. And then they made student council pass out these little flyers about, they're like, don't be the alphabet. And they had little stick figure drawings of, like... (laughs) People dancing in inappropriate ways. It was like so, it was like the ABCs of dance or whatever. It was really dumb. I didn't go to any dances my senior year except prom because they were all dumb anyway. But yeah, it's just the tip of the iceberg about dances at my high school. They were fucking insane. Anyway, so that night, 9.30 p.m. is when it all goes down. So Miranda's elderly neighbor, Mrs. Nesbitt, comes over to watch with her family. Mrs. Nesbitt's been close fam- like family friends um, forever. Like, she used to babysit her mom's parents. So she's, like, super yep. old, but very close. And everybody's just outside in her neighborhood, and they see it, and it's, like, a big shooting star going across the sky, and then it hits the moon. that meteor <laughs> sky are, like, shooting stars. stars. I mean, isn't that what shooting stars are anyway? Just, like, meteors? I don't know. Like I said, no fact checking this time. <laughs> so it hits the moon, and for a moment, Miranda feels, like, really weird, like, just that she didn't really expect it to actually hit the moon. And then people start to cheer, and then they start screaming because the moon is like tilted all wrong and it's not the right size anymore like a chunk was like blown off and it's starting to get closer to them so everyone starts panicking and somehow just starts singing the Star Spangled Banner which just feels really accurate it feels right (laughs) yeah so there's like the Titanic going down so they run inside and turn on CNN and Miranda's mom tries to call Matt and Miranda's little brother Johnny is like is the world ending and their mom's like nope also, you do have to go to school tomorrow. <laughs> CNN's not working, so Miranda's like, hey, should we try Fox News? And- Give me Anderson! <laughs> and Miranda's mom is like, no, we're not that desperate. <laughs> 
Mood. Most of the networks are down, but they managed to get NBC out of Philly, which is weird because they normally get New York-based mm-hmm. news channels. Um, cell phones aren't working, neither is the internet, but Matt finally calls them by payphone. Oh. So on the news, they explain that everything seemed to go as they thought it would, but they miscalculated the density of the meteor, which means it hit the moon much harder than they Mm -hmm. expected. And there were already reports of widespread tsunamis because of the way the moon controls the tides. And they got these reports from people who happened to be flying at the time and watched it happen. I am so terrified of tsunamis. Oh my God, me too. And uh, <laughs> they're not a real, they're not really a fear for uh, Eastern Seaboard, Mass, uh, Massachusetts, uh, United States. Even though they people did debunk that tsunami. There's like I had to watch this video in sixth grade science class, <laughs> God, about how there could be an earthquake. Uh, there's a fault line on the on um <laughs> Western Africa. <laughs> And if there was a big enough earthquake, it could cause a tsunami that would knock out the east coast of the U.S. And so my science teacher terrified us into thinking, like, it's a possibility. We could be wiped out by a tsunami one day. And then I found out a few months ago that's a lie. So science class isn't real. Well... In this case, everybody who lives on the coast is fucked because that's what happens here, essentially. Great. New York and Boston are practically submerged, um, but thankfully... Oh, that's just Hurricane Sandy. <laughs> thankfully for Miranda, her family is all far from the coasts. They start broadcasting a list of cities that were wiped out, and the casualties are likely in the hundreds of thousands, but it's impossible to know for sure. I'd assume more than that. Well, that's just where they're starting. Like, if the, if the city of New York... Well, it's not completely submerged. Like... That's just what they've seen. This is literally, like, within an hour of what, okay. what's happened. So they don't know the exact ex- mm. extent. Then the president shows up on TV. He's in Texas at his ranch, and he's like, we just need to put our faith in God, and we'll get through this. Just, like, a really thoughts and prayers response to what's thoughts going Thoughts and on. prayers. And her mom is just like, what a fucking idiot, which, again, <laughs> very relatable. <laughs> this is A.U. Bush again. Yes. So they hear from Miranda's dad the next morning, and he tells them that he heard from his mom in Vegas and she's okay. Things are still catastrophic and Miranda kind of forgot like this was a global event because her mom mentions like that this is thing they don't really know what's happening in other countries. Um, um, well there are a lot of island nations um, yeah. that are probably fucked. Yeah. We are at the 10th so. anniversary of that awful oh, the Fukushima? Yeah, yeah, Fukushima tsunami. Yeah. So her mom makes her and Johnny go to school, but the bus is only half full. Uh, Megan's not there, but Sammy is. Most of the kids are really quiet, but there's a few who are acting like it's all a joke, like uh, tsunamis. That sounds right. Yeah. They go into class and they discuss what's happening, and their teacher's like, how many of you like know somebody who may have been affected on the coast? And almost everybody raises a hand, but then this girl is like, I don't, but I feel like I do because so many celebrities live in New York and L.A. Like us. <laughs> yeah, I'm a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> the real celebrity is Cheetan. I don't know where he is He's right sleeping now. in a box. Oh, that's good. That's a good place for him to be. So as they're talking, a massive lightning bolt hits a tree outside and lights it on fire. So oh, my God. It starts pouring rain and thundering like crazy, so they go into the hall like a tornado drill. And they stay out there for like a couple hours. Wait, where? Is this... This is in Pennsylvania. Do they have tornado drills in Pennsylvania? I don't know. I thought that... I'm pretty sure that doesn't happen this far east. I have no idea. But they did do the proper procedure as someone who came from a school that did tornado drills. Yeah, I was about to say, if if I was told, what's the procedure? What's the procedure for a tornado? (laughs) I'd be like, 
trying to, you know, just remember my dad's random comments, like, that never applied to my life, and I'd be screwed. Is it? I don't know. Wow. Well, in case any any listeners out there want to know. So if there is a basement, if you're at home. Basement, yeah. Wizard of Oz. Yeah. If you're at home, you go into a basement. If you don't have a basement, you want to go into like a bathroom or any room in your house that has right. no windows. In a school setting, generally what you do is you go into the hallway and you go up against your locker and you cover your neck and your head with your hands. Interesting. Wow. I always associate tornadoes with being trapped um, in O'Hare during wintertime because of weather (laughs) delays and just walking laps around all of the uh, tornado uh, bunker things they have. (laughs) Yeah. I got stuck in a Kmart once. Oh, my gosh. So am I... I used to live in Iowa, for people who don't know. And Iowa is a frequent tornado area. And so in town, there's tornado sirens just, like, posted Mm -hmm. around. So my mom and I were just out shopping one day, and a tornado siren starts blaring. This is the first time it's ever happened to me. I was probably, like, seven. Yeah. So we just go to Kmart. We park. We go inside, and they just, like, put us all into the employee lounge. (laughs) And we just had to wait until it passed. So fun so fact. I saw a Mary's kid from my second grade I'm class. surviving a tornado. Um, unlikely we will see one here, but in the event. Oh, my God. There was a tornado warning in Manhattan at some point during this crazy pandemic year. Yeah. Like, towards the season one of the pandemic. Yeah. yeah it was, you're, it, it, if people are unfamiliar with how Manhattan is set up because you live under a rock and don't watch many TV shows, no building is designed for tornadoes. No. But fun fact, there is a companion novel to this book. Oh, that right. takes place in New York City. And I did read it, that but I don't remember I feel like that would be really interesting. Yeah. So anyway, after things calm down, they go back into the classrooms, but then Miranda's mom comes in. She's soaking wet, and she just pulls her out of class. So they go out to the car, and her brother Johnny and Mrs. Nesbitt are in there, and her mom gives her an envelope with $500 and $50 bills. So they go to the grocery store, and on the way there, her mom like gives everybody a plan of action. She's like, you're going to go buy pet food. You're going to go buy medicine. You're going to go buy canned food, Whatever. The store is currently doing $100 per cart no matter what's in it because it's just so insane. Um, I'm surprised that didn't happen with COVID. Frankly, um, me too. <laughs> so, yeah, this part was, like, the part that was most close to what happened in, if, in 2020. If y'all remember, March uh, 15th through 30th. 2020. Yeah. So Miranda's like doesn't get why they're doing this. She's like, everything's gonna go back to normal. Like, why this is like too much. Like, what are we doing? And her mom's like, if it's gonna take a while, we might as well have toilet paper. (laughs) Her mom's in full doomsday mode and she's like, get as many canned foods, vegetables, medicine, vitamin, cat food, whatever, as they can. So Miranda's like just really freaked out, but her mom's like, listen, if everything goes back to normal right away, great, but just in case. We'll be fine. So they they go out of the car, and there's already people fighting in the parking lot. Oh, my God. But they all go in. Most people are buying fresh goods, like meat and produce. Oh, stupid people. Yeah, so Miranda's able to get to the cans okay. She and Mrs. Nesbitt make a trip back to the car together, and after they unload, some guy tries to take Mrs. Nesbitt's cart, and she's like, this is war, man. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, my God, Mrs. Nesbitt! (laughs) (laughs) They make another trip in, and when Miranda comes out again, she meets up with her mom, and... After they're done unloading, another man comes over and he's like, I need your help. My wife is pregnant. We have a two-year-old. Like, I just need some help shopping. And they determine he's okay. And her mom goes in with him and Miranda goes for another trip on her own. So when they're all done at the grocery store and on their way home, Mrs. Nesbitt says they should stop at a strip mall. So Johnny goes into the pet supply store. Mrs. Nesbitt goes to the gift shop and her mom goes into the plant store, which leaves Miranda just kind of go wherever she wants. And she ends up in an antique store and buys three oil lamps. 
camps. Hmm. Her mom gets a bunch of vegetables, and Johnny gets more cat supplies, and Mrs. Nesbitt gets candles, because she's like, they always have those at the gift store. And then their last stop is a convenience store to get matches and batteries, and they choose this one because it's not a gas station as well, because those are also, like, fucking insane right now. Fair. Yeah, this sounds right. For the end of the world, or coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. So, there's no school the next day, and their cat, named Horton, is just going crazy. He's just, like, really freaked mm. out. They also have an email from Matt, who says he's fine and he'll be coming home in a few days after exams and he's like it's really weird that we have to take them with no electricity because there's also no power but it's whatever Miranda checks Brandon's fan site but there's no news but she does have like 12 messages asking if she knows anything because apparently it's known that she lives in his hometown Oh, the president comes on TV the next day and gives a few details of what's going on like how all offshore oil rigs are gone so there might not be enough gas or oil for winter the governor comes on he's like there might be rationing going into effect, but as of right now, like gas and oil companies just need to use the honor system. And anybody who's caught price gouging will be punished. Oh, God. <laughs> Which makes Miranda's mom laugh because she's like, there's no way that's going to happen. Oh, then some 14-year-old has a warehouse full of hand sanitizer. I know. <laughs> then they find 35,000 masks in some dude's basement. <laughs> so gas is up to $7 a gallon the next day. They try to go to McDonald's as well, but all the fast food places are closed because there's no electricity at the moment. Yeah, that'll do. That'll be a damper on fast food. Yeah. They end up getting pizza at a local spot that has a brick oven, and Ooh. they eat with Mrs. Nesbitt. She lived through World War II, and she's like, we rationed back then, so we'll probably do that now. Miranda's mom is like, I wish I could trust the president, but I don't think he's going to handle this well. It's just, uh, wow. It's as if um, this was a certain president we used to have. Yeah. All the stores in town are boarded up, and the sporting goods store has a sign-up that says they don't have any guns left. Oh, God. They do find an an open clothing store and Miranda's mom buys just like a bunch of stuff like long johns and winter clothes as well as some baby clothes for Lisa's baby. Oh right, yeah. Lisa exists in the baby. Yeah, they they live some they live in Springfield. I don't know if they mean Springfield, Pennsylvania. There's Springfield, Springfield in every state. Exactly. So I don't know where Springfield I'm gonna is. guess if they don't specify the state, they mean it's in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So they have to go back to school and it's basically the same as right after the whole moon thing happened with a bunch of kids and teachers missing. Miranda's mom told her and Johnny not to tell anybody about what they bought. Mm-hmm. They have a, a big assembly and after school activities, prom and senior trip are all canceled. The pool is also closed, which is really distressing for Miranda because she's on the swim team. But she and the team decide to go swimming at the local pond instead. I wouldn't trust any... I wouldn't want to be in water right now with, like, shit being fucked. Like, a lightning bolt struck a tree randomly. A lightning bolt could strike yeah, this well, pond. Well, she's going swimming at the pond at some point. Oh, gosh. Miranda eats lunch with Megan, who's back at school, and she's like, isn't it amazing what God's doing? I haven't left Reverend Marshall's since this started. Is this the Westboro Baptist Church? More on that later. Oh, God. <laughs> Miranda tries to reason with her, and she's like, there's shortages of everything, and life is just generally fucking awful. And Megan's like, no, those are all earthly concerns. Admit your sins and embrace our Lord, and you'll be fine. Is this a cult? A little bit. A little bit. More on See, that this is why I didn't know much. Everything I know about Protestant religion I learned in true crime <laughs> podcasts. So... 
Matt comes home, which is good, but the school bus isn't running anymore, so Matt gets their bikes out and fixes them up. Miranda's, like, still trying to come to terms with everything that's happening. Um, everybody needs trauma therapy at this point. Yeah, a lot. The power keeps coming on and off sporadically. Sometimes it only lasts a few minutes, and they mainly just try to do laundry whenever it comes on, but it doesn't always, like, work out. They start spending more time outside, because that's where the sun is, but they keep a light on just so they know when the electricity comes on, and when it comes out this particular day, Miranda's mom runs it and checks the internet, which she doesn't normally do, um, because she heard on the radio that they were going to post lists of the dead online. A smart place to post them when no one has internet that often. I mean, where else are they going to do it? Town crier? Hear ye, hear ye! All your friends are dead! I'm here to read the name! Push me to the edge! (laughs) Every American who has died, and we will give them a 21-gun salute, each and every one of them! Well, later on, they start doing it by radio, but as of right Mm. now, it's online. So, her mom just looks up, and she finds it pretty much everybody she ever worked with because she her publishers were in Boston and New York. Yeah, that makes sense. Some distant relatives and old friends, but none of their close family or any of Mrs. Nesbitt's family. And um, Brandon, don't worry, he's not on the list. So he, he might still be alive. <laughs> I was really worried. I know. I could see it on your face. <laughs> so now it's the first week of June, and Miranda's sent home with a notice that all exams were canceled and school would end on June 10th, which is like two weeks earlier than it was supposed to. Anybody who wants to raise their class average can talk to their teachers, but if not, their grades would be based on whatever they were before the moon crashed. Mm-hmm. School lunch is also now just PB&J, and Miranda figures that they're closing early because they can't feed everybody anymore. Also, I guess school lunch is free. I don't know. She never mentions paying for it. So they're just giving out PB&J. Interesting. So Miranda tells her mom about her grades, which are all good except math, and she offers to retake a test, and her mom is like, but what's the point? Which really weirds Miranda out because she really used to care about her grades yeah. a lot. So she's like, has she just given up on the future? Oh. So she talks about it with Matt, who's like, listen, no college is going to care about a 78 in math when the world is this fucked. <laughs> that, that, it's, I'm going to be interested to see what happens when, like, these school-age kids right? are, like, getting to yeah. the college admission process mm-hmm. in terms of, like, looking at... Because not only grades, but extracurriculars. Yeah, extra People who did sports have just gotten fucked over. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I also thought about that. Matt also says that their mom is mainly worried about Johnny's baseball camp that he goes to every year in July. She's not sure if it's still on, but she really I'm wants... I'm gonna guess no. Well, she really wants him to go because if he's away, she doesn't have to feed him. Smart. And Miranda and Johnny are also supposed to spend August with their dad, which means their mom doesn't have to feed them then either. So according to Matt, their mom's already started skipping meals to conserve food. The next day, they have dinner with Mrs. Nesbitt, who brings over two eggs, which is, like, a big deal because they don't have any fresh food left anymore. And Matt also remembers that he had some chocolate in his bag from school, so they have that for dessert. So it's like a, it's like a party, straight up. And then they all sing together, and unlike Cheetan, their cat doesn't mind the singing. No. Hear that, Cheetan? Yeah, really ungrateful for our beautiful voices. So then back at school, Megan's been giving away her sandwiches. She, like, rips them up into pieces and just hands them out to whoever wants them. And she says that God sustains her, not food. And she's still really just trying to spread the word of God and whatever, and Miranda's just trying to get her to see reality, but they never come to an agreement. And then that night, Megan dreams of her friend Becky, who died at some point before the start of the story. It's There's no explanation of 
ever yeah. what happened to her. Just okay. that she was sick, and after she died, it caused things to get weird between her, Sammy, and Megan. Okay. And she, like, dreams about Becky throughout, but I just didn't include it because mm-hmm. it's just weird. Miranda stops paying attention to the news of anything that's going on outside of her hometown because it's just really overwhelming, and <laughs> she just doesn't want to know, and it makes her feel like maybe if she doesn't know, everything's fine. <laughs> Which, like, again, kind of relatable. 2020, 2021. (laughs) Yeah. The next day, Miranda gets a flyer from someone about donations for people in New York, New Jersey, and others who were seriously affected. And so she brings it home, and her mom's like, we're absolutely not giving anything away. And this is also very shocking to Miranda because her mom normally is, like, the first one to donate shit. And her mom's like, we have no idea what we're going to need, and, like, we're not going to die and freeze to death because we gave away a blanket. And so she lets it slip that... She doesn't know if they have enough heating oil to last through the winter. So Miranda brings this up to Matt, who says they're really lucky because they have a wood stove. So he's going to start chopping wood. And it also occurs to me, I've based the whole layout of their house on my house in Maine because we also had like a sunroom with a wood stove in it. Interesting. (laughs) So little fun fact. The last day of school comes, and by this point, they're only giving out open-faced PB&Js, and Miranda's wondering, like, maybe there is food left, but they're just not giving it to the students. Like, she started to get, like, a little conspiracy about things. <laughs> and this begins the summer section, so this is, like, part two. Okay. So Miranda's dad manages to call, and he says he's, he tries several times every day, but he can't always get through. Their mom also finds out that the baseball camp is still planning to go on, and then after, their dad will pick Johnny up from camp, come pick up Miranda, and then they'll go to Springfield together okay. to spend the month with him. And Matt tells him that he's not going to come because he's going to stay and help their mom, which is his dad is sad about, but he understands. Yeah. Their mom's boyfriend, Peter, comes by the next day, and he brings him a can of spinach that he got from a patient. He's really tense. And then he explains that they all need to get and use as much insect repellent as possible because he's seen a big uptick in cases of West Nile virus and oh, rumors God. of malaria. Oh, Great. Yeah. So the next day, Miranda sneaks out to Miller's Pond and meets up with Dan, the uh, swim team captain. He tells her that he found out his grandparents in Florida died. And whenever he thinks about what's happening, he just gets really angry and he feels like the government should should be doing more or <laughs> should have done something more. Like they should have evacuated people before. Even if it turned out to be a false alarm and, like, having flashbacks and early COVID protocols. Yep. He also says that he had planned to ask her to prom this year and that he would like to go with her next year if there's still a world by then. They have a moment. They kiss. Whatever. They're, like, they're an item now. Oh. (laughs) From, From this point forward. So they plan to meet up at the pond again tomorrow. And when Miranda gets home, though, her mom is fucking pissed because Miranda left and didn't tell her. And Miranda's like, I've always been able to leave without telling you where I'm going and her mom's like times aren't normal right now like how would you feel if you couldn't find me and you had no idea where it was and Miranda's like I would be terrified so she says that she was afraid her mom would forbid her from going to the pond because of what's happening with the mosquitoes and her mom's like no like you're allowed to have some fun like I'm not going to take everything away from you. So a few days pass. Miranda and Dan continue to meet up. Her mom picks up stuff at the post office because they're not doing deliveries anymore. But there's more mail happening because the phone lines are down. And they get a letter from Johnny's camp, which is planning to open on schedule. And on top of that, they have an agreement with a local farm that's going to provide them three meals a day for at least two weeks as long as the campers work on the farm. Fun! Yeah. So this is a great scenario for them. That's a... Oh, man. Yeah. I'd take up that offer. Yeah. No, I mean... 
that sounds like a fun camp camp experience to be oh, honest yeah so some other kids from the swim team start turning up at the pond which interferes with miranda and dan's makeout time but they all have fun oh, together anyway no. peter comes over for dinner and he brings them a can of peanuts because he's allergic to them he also tells them that he's seen some people die this week because of food allergies because people are so desperate for food oh, they'll just God, eat anything that's now. depressing yeah he always has depressing news when Great. he comes for dinner because he's a doctor i mean yeah she Miranda actually feels really bad for him because at this point he used to cure people, but now they just die. Yeah. There's nothing you can oh, do. you mean like all of those healthcare workers who have PTSD from yeah. the hallways full of COVID patients? Yeah. 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 Great. A few more days go by, and then Miranda's mom remembers that she has yeast, so she starts making bread. A classic, the, the world's ending activity. They also hear Power no bread. They also hear from their dad, who says that Springfield hasn't had food deliveries in weeks, but oh. he and Lisa had stocked up in the beginning, plus local farmers were planting crops. Matt also digs up an old antenna TV, which they managed to get a channel running episodes of Friends. So I mean, if the world's ending, yeah. TBS is still, yeah. still still marathoning Friends. Yeah, she was like, and we, Seinfeld. <laughs> we, well, so she's like, we were able to get two channels. One was religious, and one was showing reruns of Friends and Seinfeld. Okay, th- they just didn't name drop TBS. No. That is the channel that does that. Yeah, they didn't say TBS, but they said It's TBS. TBS. <laughs> Tell me you're watching TBS without saying you're watching TBS. So then a couple days later, Miranda and her mom get into a huge fight. So the day starts with them making a trip into town to get gas and go to the library. So currently, gas stations are offering $12 a gallon or $35 for three gallons with a three-gallon max. And there's only two gas stations running at the moment, so... Her mom just makes rounds Mm -hmm. between them until she fills the tank, but you have to, like, wait in line or whatever. So Miranda and Mrs. Nesbitt go to the library where Miranda happens to run into Dan. So they hang out, whatever. After they leave and Dan heads home, Miranda and Mrs. Nesbitt find out that they're giving out bags of food at the high school. So Mrs. Nesbitt gets in line and Miranda runs to get Dan. And when she gets back, Mrs. Nesbitt's, like, 20 people ahead of them, but they manage to get inside fine. There's armed guards watching over the bags of food. And they each get a bag, but by the time they get outside again, the line's been cut off. So when they get home, Miranda's mom's, like, visibly angry. And then she confronts Miranda about running to get Dan instead of getting right in line. And Miranda's like, what's wrong? Like, we all got food, so it's fine. Like, I don't see what the big deal is. And Dan was also able to get food because I went and got him. So, like, that's a good thing. And her mom's like, you can't be concerned about other people. Family is all that matters right now. And Miranda's like, what Dan and I have is specials, just like you and Peter. And her mom freaks out and is like, are you guys sleeping together? Because if you are, you can never see him again. Like, you cannot risk getting pregnant. They're not sleeping together, but whatever. They It's a big fight. Okay. So they, they make up the next day after Matt intervenes, and Miranda ends up going to the pond with Johnny, and she's mildly annoyed because it turns out that if he hadn't come, she and Dan would have been alone, but then she realizes that she hasn't really thought about what all of this is doing to Johnny, and he's, like, really into baseball, especially professional baseball, and she's like, he must really be missing the season that would be happening happening right now (laughs) more 2020 yeah and on the way home he tells her that he's concerned he's not eating a balanced diet and he's going to end up too short to go pro he's like what if 13 year olds in japan or the dominican republic are eating better and i end up five six and miranda's like doesn't want to just be like they're probably all dead yeah i was about to say those are two small small island island nations yeah so she's just like listen like who knows what's gonna happen like maybe everybody will just be short in the future who knows maybe so then 
Johnny goes to camp the first week of July, and Miranda's, like, feeling listless, so she just goes for a walk. She walks to Sammy's house to check on her, but nobody's home, and she worries for a second, like, maybe they moved away and didn't say anything, but there's clothes on the line in the backyard, so she's fine. She ends up going to visit Megan, who, in this moment very much resembles Momoko, the purple hair girl. From oh my god, I forgot you told me about this. Oh. Yeah, so to break up the depression, we're gonna play a little game. Yes! We're gonna, you're gonna have to guess who said it. Megan, this girl from this book, or Momoko? And um, listeners, if you don't know about ghost stories... The dub specifically? Yeah, um, I watched the sub, it's, it's just bad, but just go on YouTube, search ghost stories, English dub highlights. Yeah, you don't need to watch the whole show, just no, the highlights. No, just the highlight reel. It's amazing. Yeah. All right, bring it on. Okay. Who said it? I pray for the souls of all the poor sinners that they should see the light and be spared the eternal flames of hell. Momoko. No, Megan. What? <laughs> oh, my God, she is Momoko. Lord, reveal your salvation, for I am your favorite among these humans. Oh, that's Momoko. That's Momoko. That's Momoko. <laughs> Admit your sins, cast out Satan, and offer your heart to God. Momoko. Nope, Megan. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> he should follow the example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and forgive his persecutors. Megan. Momoko. <laughs> They're the same person. <laughs> the only thing keeping me from true happiness is knowing the people I love aren't saved. Momoko. Megan. Oh. <laughs> One of my zero for ten. <laughs> I know how sinful I am. I covet things, and I have lustful thoughts. Megan. Yes. Woo! So you got one out of six. <laughs> yes. I got one. Yeah. Momoko would never say she's full of sin. No, she wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the point of this meeting is Megan's been starving herself. So Miranda's like, it can't be God's will for you to starve. And Megan's like, it was God's will for Becky to die. God oh. works in mysterious ways. So yeah. And Megan's mom is concerned for her as well. Like when she first shows up, she's like, maybe you can like talk some sense into her. So when Miranda goes home and her mom gets home from dropping Johnny off, at camp, she asks Miranda and Matt if it's okay if they all go down to two meals a day. They'd all been having three meals, but now that Johnny's gone, they want to conserve food. And they agree to have either breakfast or lunch, whichever they prefer, but they'll always have supper together. Their cat is also really upset that Johnny is gone because Johnny was the cat's favorite. It's also starting to get really hot, so they're drinking a lot of water, and Matt and Miranda spend their time just gathering firewood and kindling. And then in the second week of July, the sky turns gray. So the gravitational pull from the moon has shifted, and that's caused the long dormant volcanoes to start erupting again. Again, I don't know if this is accurate. Um, again, what volcano can reach, can, like, affect Pennsylvania? I don't, they go through it, I didn't write it down, but they go through all of, like, the local ones, but it's it has nothing to do with the actual eruption, but the ash that's now in the air. Yeah, well, I guess when Mount St. Helen erupted, it did get pretty far, so okay, I'll allow this one. Yeah, so the ash is now in the atmosphere, which is blocking out the sun, not completely, but enough that it's like... I wonder how Norway's doing. Well, we will never know. Oh. So without the sun, crops can't grow, so that's a bad thing. Um, drought is very likely, and as are record cold temperatures, so not good things in the, uh, in the future. No, this is a very... This is, this is not a good good book for anyone who has any anxiety or is living through COVID. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. 
I think going through this collective doomsday experience mm-hmm. is really going to affect this kind of end of the world fiction yes. and such. I mean, yes. Hollywood's going to try to push it, but I. Oh yes. It's going to really the way that um as I was this TikTok I was listening to the other day was talking about how the villains in pop culture change depending on like who the U.S. is at at war with. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see how COVID plays into the, like, themes of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, people like to bring up, like, Contagion as well, which, like, has some similar similarities with this book as well. Like, mm-hmm. there was actually a scene from Contagion I got confused with this book. Like, because there's a daughter in that one, too, and she, like, sneaks out to see a boy. I've never seen Contagion. I've I always, never will at this point. Yeah, well, would not recommend <laughs> at this point. Anyway. Anyway, so their mom is, like, this point forward, we have to be extremely serious about survival. Like, we've been kind of doing it at this point, but now we have to, like, really double down. So they reconfigure their meal schedule. Their mom is going to go down to one meal a day, and then Matt and Miranda are going to fast one day per week and then do one meal every other day. And they also need to start saving up water because their well might run dry if there is a drought. Peter comes over and he tells Miranda that she shouldn't swim in the pond anymore because it's likely to get contaminated if people start using it for like bathing or yeah. whatever. So he also brings some masks to wear because the air is going to get polluted. Love it. Yep. And Matt used to run for recreation but he stops so he can conserve energy and also because of the air quality. Yeah. The next day Miranda accidentally lets Horton the cat out at night and he disappears. So she keeps looking for him every day and and then she and her mom get into a fight about it because her mom thinks she's more concerned about the cat than the fact that they haven't heard from Johnny since he went to camp. Like, oh, that is concerning. Ago. And Miranda's like, Johnny's fine. He's eating three meals a day. Like, you think I haven't noticed, like, which one of us you're betting on? And she feels awful for saying it. Wow. But she also knows that all three of them would choose Johnny's survival over their own. Like, their mom would automatically choose him. Yeah. And then she figures that Matt probably has the best chance of survival out of all of them, but he is too selfless and he would bet on Johnny as well. They make up, but things are still tense. Miranda spends her days looking for Horton and getting kindling, but then after a few days, Sammy turns up at the house, and she's come to say goodbye because she's moving south tomorrow. She met a guy who heard things are better down south. He's 40. Oh, things are better down south. I'm sure he's well, not just luring her down there. It's actually very fucked up. So he's been bringing food to her family for a while, like cases mm-hmm. of food and water and supplies. They met four weeks ago, and he's just been waiting for Sammy to be ready to go, and Miranda's like, this is not a good idea. And Sammy's like, no. I know, like, I like older guys, but not this much older. But she says that her parents think it's best to send her somewhere where there might be a chance for her to live. And that this guy, George, this is his name, will give her protection. And she doesn't know what will happen, if they'll stay together or not. But she's going to Nashville with him anyway. And she and Miranda will never see each other again. Yep. But the next day, thankfully, things turn up. So Horton comes home. Yay. Thankfully. And they receive a bunch of letters from Johnny. Like, mail just kind of comes in waves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> he's he's doing fine. Good. A few days later, Miranda's mom tells her that she got a letter from their dad, and she won't be spending any time with him in August. Lisa wants to go to her parents' house in Colorado by the time she has her baby. And their dad wants to check on his mom in Vegas. So they're going to pick up Johnny from camp, and then they're going to spend a few days at their house before they leave. And Miranda's really worried about Lisa because it must be just terrifying to be pregnant in this world. (laughs) So the day before Johnny comes home, 
Miranda's mom, like, starts to have this conflict about what to do with their meals because before he left, they'd all been eating three times a day, and now they're all down to, like, one or two. Yeah. But there's no resolution with that until after Johnny, Dad, and Lisa arrive. Dad brings them a ton of food, and he says that the college who... They don't really explain what his relationship with this college is, if he teaches it or whatever, but he's like, oh yeah, the college had a bunch of food left over, so I got to take it home. But then much later, Matt actually tells Miranda that he got on the black market, (laughs) as well as gas for the car, but he just didn't want to say that. Yeah, no. Yeah. So they also brought clothes, kerosene, batteries, and a power saw, and Miranda's mom gives Lisa all the baby clothes, and they have like a little baby shower. (laughs) It's actually pretty cute. That's cute. And then Matt and their dad start chopping wood, which they move from outside into the dining room because their dad's like nothing outdoors is going to be safe yeah so they plan a dinner party for the first week of august which is like just a couple days later with all of them mrs nesbitt and peter so miranda goes to peter's office to invite him but it's closed but she finds him at the hospital which still has electricity but it does have armed guards so she sees peter and then she actually runs into dan and he's there because his mom has west nile oh and then he tells her that he's leaving soon And his whole family had planned to go to California to be with his sister. So his whole family had been planning to go to California to be with his sister, but then they found out she died. So now he's going to go off on his own. His dad gave him a motorcycle, and he doesn't know exactly where he's going to go, but his dad's like, you're going to have a better chance somewhere out there than staying here. Yeah. And he apologized to her because... He wishes things were different because he really does care about her, but they both realize, like, they're probably never going to see each other again either. Yeah, no, they're not. Yeah, so the dinner party is fun, but then it gets depressing when John just asks out of the blue, like, are we all going to (laughs) die? So Lisa, this really freaks out Lisa, so she goes off. She's got the pregnancy hormones. And then their dad goes with them, but everybody else stays around, and they just, like, start telling really dark jokes. Oh, that sounds right. And then the next day, Matt and their dad chop more wood. Miranda and her dad meet up, and he tells her that they're going to leave the next day, and they have this really emotional conversation about how proud he is of her and how much he loves her and how he's treasured these days they have together. He and Lisa leave the next day first thing, and Miranda realizes, like, it's very likely they'll never see each other again either. Wow. She, yeah, she talks with Matt the day after that, and he's mad that their dad didn't stay to help them, but there's nothing anybody can do about it. Yeah. And everyone's just generally in a funk, but then to make things worse, they get their first frost on August 11th, and Johnny suggests that maybe they should go somewhere else too, but their mom is like, absolutely not. We have no idea where we would go. Right now we have food, water, shelter, so, like, we're not gonna risk all that on a maybe. Then... Miranda and her mom get into another fight a few days later, and Miranda goes to Megan's house to cool off, and Megan says that God is punishing everybody for their sins, and that she's even sinned, so this is where she's like, I've had lustful thoughts, and she actually feels like she's missed out, because at least Sammy got to act on her lustful thoughts before the end of the world, but Megan never did, and Miranda's like, what's the point in making us human if he doesn't want us to act human, and Megan's like, it's a test to see if we can overcome that, like, even in the Garden of Eden, Eden, whatever. This sounds like... A cult member who has been brainwashed. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry, that was Reverend uh, Jim Jones, you said? Reverend Marshall, but close. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Miranda gets up to leave, and Megan says that she doesn't think they'll ever see each other again. And she says that they're not leaving, but she thinks her mother will go away after Megan dies. And 
Miranda's like, oh, so if you're not leaving, then I'm sure we'll see each other again. And she's like, no, don't come back. Like, I am giving up my friendship because whatever I have left, I'm going to give to God to prove how much I love him. So she leaves. Okay. Johnny's birthday passes. He's really mature about it because nothing happens. They just have dinner with Mrs. Nesbitt, and that's about it. COVID birthdays. Yeah. Then there's a meeting in town the last week of August about the school year, and then Miranda just thinks that school will be a good distraction. At the meeting, the school board leader announces that less than half the students will be back. He also says that they can expect no assistance from the state. They're going to keep two schools open, the high school and one elementary school, and the students can choose whichever one is closest since there will be no bus service either. There's also no lunch service, and while they have some natural gas heating, they can't count on it lasting forever, and students can also be homeschooled if they want. And then at the end of August, they also have a killing frost, so Miranda and her mom harvest all of their crops, which there's not much, but there's enough for like a couple days meals, and radio signal has also like just gone away. Miranda goes into town a few days later to get a feel for the bike route to school and she sees five guys with guns on Main Street ransacking a building. Oh, classic America. Yeah, so she goes to the police station which is abandoned and then she ends (laughs) up going up to the armed guards at the hospital and they're like, you shouldn't go anywhere alone anymore. It's not safe for women. Great. Was it ever? Yeah, well, (laughs) Miranda tells Matt what happened, and he agrees that she and their mom shouldn't go alone anywhere anymore. Yeah. And Miranda decides that she'll go to the elementary school instead because she can get there via back roads. And now it's fall. And as someone who loves Dead Poet Society and has analyzed the season's transition and that, this is where things get worse. Oh, yeah, things get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) And he... With any, like, the second you said it's by season, like, like Gatsby, Dead Poets Society, anything that, that is like, hey, here's, we're telling you specifically what season's happening and progressing, you know, and you, you know not, it's yeah, not, not things good. aren't going to get better. So... The high school principal is at the elementary school the next day, and all the high school students who are at that school, which is about 30 of them, gather up, and she's like, it makes more sense for all the high schoolers to just be together because there's so few of them, and so they should all go to the high school in town. And Miranda's like, it isn't really safe to get there. And everyone starts talking about how some girl from town disappeared after she got snatched on her way home from church. So Miranda decides to homeschool. So she picks up books for her and Johnny at the office. And then she also takes a bunch of notebooks and pens for her journal. It started to get really cold. So Miranda just keeps putting off her schoolwork. She's just not in the mood. And her mom isn't making her do it either. And then one day she goes into the pantry, which has been expressly forbidden Mm -hmm. for anyone to go in there except their mom who pulls out the food for each day. She feels reassured by like the amount of stuff that's in there but then she spots a bag of chocolate chips she snagged when they went shopping that first day and just like in a moment of weakness she just starts to eat them. Yeah. Like ravenously. And so her mom catches her and just starts screaming at her. She drops the chocolate chips on the floor and her mom makes her eat all of them like pick them up off the floor and eat every single last one. And she says like you wanted them so you should eat them like eat them all even though she's like I'm feeling sick like I can't do it and then this is straight out of uh, Matilda yeah so she eats all of them and her mom's like well that's your food for the next two days like that's what you you have enough calories in you and she also feels even more guilty because her mom's like I was saving those for Matt's birthday because that's in like five days yeah So, like, you can explain to him why he's not getting any dessert on his birthday. So, then a week later, they get letters from their dad, and there's been, there's, like, three or four letters together, and basically, they explain that there's difficulty crossing state lines, like, you need to 
prove that you have relatives in that state. Okay, so it was so he's out of state. Yeah, so he's out of Pennsylvania. They're like when they oh leave, right because he was going to go see the family other yeah. family members right. Yeah, so he's now trying to get into Kansas, but some places are restricting allowing pregnant women in. And at this point, Lisa's like showing, so they can't yeah. even fake it. Then a few days later, Miranda's mom falls and sprains her ankle. Oh. So Miranda rushes to the hospital to get Peter, but the guards won't let her inside, and they won't go get him on her behalf. And they just make her stand outside in the cold for hours waiting for somebody to come out or go in to bring her message. And then Matt comes and gets her, and one of the guards actually knows him, so they let him inside. Mm -hmm. He comes out with Peter, who drives them home, and he checks on their mom and tells her to stay inside and stay off her feet for, like, a a few weeks. Yeah. And they happen to have a cane in the attic, which is good, and the boys bring her mattress down into the sunroom Mm -hmm. so she doesn't have to go up and down. And then the next day, Miranda cuts her mom's hair really short because they can't really wash anymore. And Miranda also starts visiting Miss Mrs. Nesbitt every day since her mom can't go anymore. And Mrs. Nesbitt is running her heat all the time. And Miranda says, like, you should just come move in with us. And she's like, nope. I'm going to be by myself until I die, which is probably going to be soon anyway, because I'm freaking old. That's pretty on brand for that generation. Yeah. <laughs> That's their mindset. Yeah. So Peter comes by again, and then a couple days later, Miranda goes to the library with Matt, and they spot that girl who was rumored to be missing. And so yeah. Miranda's just starting to wonder, like, how many of these rumors are true anywhere? Yeah. Things get better at home. They have the wood stove going. They all start playing poker with, like, crazy stakes. She's like, I owe my brother $365 million or something. <laughs> That's fun. And Horton's been really affectionate. October comes, the natural gas runs out, which means they can't use their stove, and they don't have any more hot water, which means no more showering, and laundry is going to be an even bigger pain than it used to be. They go to the library, and it's the last day that's open, so they just bring a bunch of books home. Miranda has her mom cut her hair, too, and then they burn the hair, which makes no sense, because burnt hair smells fucking awful. Oh, it smells horrible. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. So I don't know why they would ever do that. Maybe they can't smell. (laughs) Maybe. But I can smell burnt hair, and it's not good. Yeah, so it's gotten cold enough that they all moved downstairs. So they shut off all of the, like, heat vents in the upstairs, and they keep the heat on high enough to keep the pipes from freezing, but that's it. And mm-hmm. they just use the wood stove for their main source of heat. Then a few days later, Matt tells her that Megan died. Oh. There's a list of the dead at the post office just mm-hmm. for, like, in town, and that Megan's mom is also dead. So Miranda goes to Reverend Marshall's the next day to find out what happened. So she goes up to him. She's like, I was Murder, her best suicide. <laughs> She's like, I was her best friend. And he goes, her best friend on earth. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he says that Megan just died one day. Like it was just God's plan. And so her mom called them to take, like come over to take care of her. So they prayed over her. And then Megan's mom asked if they could help bury her in the backyard. But the ground was frozen. So he went back to the church to get more help. And when he returned, her mom had killed herself. So I got at least half of that, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's depressing. So Reverend Marshall took Megan to the churchyard to bury her. But no one in the also, church. The frozen. <laughs> ground. What? That, oh gosh. So, I convinced a bunch of my friends in college to go see Manchester by the Sea with me. Oh my me. god. And that movie... I've still never seen it. Oh my god. I, I almost got up and left because I thought I was going to have an anxiety attack. The only thing that kept me from getting up and leaving was that I was like four people in from the aisle oh. and I was going to have to go past people and I was just like, they're going to see I'm having a panic attack. Oh my god. <laughs> but there's a whole, like, oh, one of the most upsetting scenes is about like the the ground being frozen and like having to, for like can't do the burial yet Mm. and so that just flashed back to that it's such a sad movie 
Yeah. This is such a sad book. Yeah. Uh, so, he, whew, well, Reverend, Manchester by the Sea got flooded day one, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, Reverend Marshall takes Megan's body to the churchyard to bury, but he says that no one in the church could touch her mom's remains because they were impure. Okay. Yeah. So, Miranda then okay. realizes that Reverend Marshall hasn't lost any weight. So, she confronts him about this, and he's like, my congregation brings me food. So she goes off on him and she's like, I don't believe in hell, so I'm not going to like tell you that I hope you end up there, but I hope you're the last man on earth left alive. I hope you, everybody dies around you and it's just you left. And like, maybe you might feel an ounce of what Megan's mom felt. So I know you said that Megan, we, we, you already established Megan is Momoko, but yeah. you know who else Reverend and Megan remind me of? Who? Um, Father Corn Cornello, Cornello and, Rose. and Rose. Yeah, no, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Again, if you haven't watched Full Metal Alchemist, well, after episode seven, you should have, and <laughs> none of this makes sense. Yeah. So toward the end of October, Matt starts volunteering at the post office. It was on the verge of closing because they didn't have anyone to work there, but he starts volunteering because he wants information. Has anyone heard from the president? No. Okay. Sounds about. You mean he? He's not tweeting. <laughs> well, there's no like, internet. Also, Twitter was. There's no smartphones. Yeah. So Twitter was. That this is probably right around. I don't. I forget if it was 2000. This is pre the the POTUS Twitter. Pre POTUS Twitter, yes. Yeah. So Matt's volunteering at the post office, and Miranda goes to the pond to skate because it's been long since frozen and her mom still has a pair of skates so on the way there she notices just how quiet everything has gotten like even the woods are silent like all the animals have left when she gets there somebody's already skating oh my god it's brandon brandon Brandon. so when she gets closer she sees brandon so they talk and skate together and he explains that he wasn't actually at his training center in california and he was actually on tour which is how he survived the initial shit storm that happened he says that they should hold their own Olympics after they get back, like she gets back into form and she says that she'll try to come back the next day, but the next day her mom hurts her ankle again. Oh no. So Miranda knows she can't go skating again with her mom out of commission and she's starting to wonder, like, maybe Brandon was a hallucination. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you imagine we were at like f- we're like at Fordham when this happens and we hallucinate Jimmy Ma? Oh my god! <laughs> He's just like ate inexplicably at Lincoln Center. <laughs> So Miranda goes to Mrs. Nesbitt's a few days later, and Mrs. Nesbitt is, like, actually kind of relieved that her mom can't come anymore because she gives Miranda the whole rundown of what to do when she dies. And she's Mm -hmm. like, I don't think your mom could take it if she found me. So she has, like, this whole list of, like, these are the things you should take. This is what you should do. The day after that, Matt and Johnny board up the house and limit basically everything to the sunroom, the kitchen, and the dining room. And their only sunlight comes from the skylight in the sunroom now. (gasps) The water of their well dries out a day later. Um, They still have some bottles, but they can also cut ice from the pond and boil it until it starts snowing. Mrs. Nesbitt dies the first week of November. So Miranda takes all the things that Mrs. Nesbitt told her to take, and then she goes home to get Matt and Johnny. So Mrs. Nesbitt still has food, running water, and other supplies, so they just load up. They, like, fill canisters with water and all that. After that whole supply run, she stays home to tell her mom what happened while Johnny and Matt take her body to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And... She gives her mom this necklace that Mrs. Desmond wanted her to have, as well as a brooch, which makes her mom feel a little bit better. And then a couple weeks later, they get a letter from their dad, but it's actually dated before all the other ones they've already gotten. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing new. Yeah. Thanksgiving comes and goes, but the day after, Matt brings home a chicken, like a whole ass chicken. Wow! 
It's not a big chicken, but it's a chicken. It's a chicken. So they had dinner with Peter. And this whole thing revitalizes their mom, who's like... Wait, sorry. Was this a live chicken? I think it's dead at this point. Oh, no, but then, like, did it, they... It, uh, well, it, was it live one, or was it, like, a, a rotisserie chicken from the store? No. <laughs> because, like... It was did, It was who, freshly dead. Who plucked in, like, that's a... I don't know who plucked the chicken. Somebody did. But this whole dinner revitalizes their mom, who decides that they're all wasting their lives the next day, and she's like, we should all start studying. We have all these textbooks, but nobody's been learning anything. So they all pick a subject, like Miranda has history, somebody has algebra, I don't remember who, and their mom picks French. So they just like spend their days reading and then like teaching each other what they're learning about. Miranda goes back to Mrs. Nesbitt's one day and it's been ransacked, like everything of value has really been taken. Yeah. But she does manage to find a few things, like some old baseball cards and some colored pencils that she plans to give to her brothers for Christmas. She also has some chocolates that she brought home the first time with Mrs. Nesbitt to give to her mom for Christmas. Yeah. She goes back to the pond to skate at the end of November, and she's alone. And so now she firmly believes that Brandon was just a hallucination. He was yeah. never there. She doesn't stay very long because the air quality is so bad. And she also mentions that she, Matt, and her mom are all eating only once a day, but they do eat seven days a week. Yeah. Okay. It snows the first week of December. It's like a dingy gray because of the ash. Matt's in town at the post office when it starts snowing, and Johnny offers to go get him and see if he's okay, but their mom was like, no, I cannot risk losing two children. Yeah. If you go out and get him. So after a few hours pass, they decide to just take shifts like standing outside with a lamp. Mm Mm-hmm. To give Matt a beacon and, like, look for him. It's Miranda's turn, but she passes out, and she's actually woken by Matt, who brings her inside. And so when they make it in, they um, warm up, whatever, and then they make a plan for using the snow for water to, you know, boil it, whatever. Yeah. I did learn from Zoom how to, if you're in an emergency and you need to, like, clean your, like, if you if you have, like, salt water, how to, like, purify it. Oh, very they nice. taught me, yeah, I don't know why that was, Zoom suddenly, one episode was just, like, survival time, kids, and the other episodes, they were like, what rhymes with these? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite water purification thing that I always think of is there's, like, a, a special episode of Avatar, The Last Airbender, yes. where Sokka makes a water purification thing. Yes. <laughs> Which is immediately made useless by, by waterbending. Yeah, by his sister. <laughs> yeah. So a couple days pass, and Matt says that they need to clear off the skylight and the roof so it doesn't collapse. And they also clear off a route to the garage because they have a pair of cross-country skis in there. They can use those to get around in the snow since nobody's going to be clearing the roads. So by the middle of December, Johnny's finally noticed he's the only one who eats lunch. And he says that... He'll go down to one meal too, but everybody objects and he gets freaked out and he just drops the subject, but he brings it up again to Miranda the next day. He says that their mom said at least one of them needs to stay strong in case the rest of them need him. And he asks Miranda, like, what's going to happen if you all die? And Miranda's like, you'll leave. Like, you'll live and you'll go find somewhere else to live to, like, make sure our deaths were not in vain. Lovely. Which is like, he's 13 years old. Yeah. This is trauma. Yeah. So (laughs) they also decide to have their big meal in the morning instead of at night because... Start your day with a healthy breakfast. Yeah, it's just a better use of their energy. They had been eating at night because that's when they were all together. Mm -hmm. But now that they're all just basically trapped in the house, it doesn't matter when they eat. But Johnny will continue to eat at supper time. So in the middle of December as well, Miranda remembers that this is when Lisa's baby was due. So she's decided it was a girl. She named it Rachel. (laughs) 
She because also she's been watching Friends all that time. Well, maybe. Well, they haven't been watching it. Not now, yeah, but like but, at the beginning. Yeah. Like that's the last pop culture yeah. she had. So she's also started thinking about Colorado where her dad and Lisa must be. She's decided that it's like some kind of paradise where everything is normal. Well, I mean, you know, the the the, the airport there is a secret like Nazi something. Oh so, my god, that's right. I forgot. So clearly the Nazis probably are in charge <laughs> there. <laughs> well, now it's winter. So on Christmas Eve, there are actual carolers walking around their neighborhood. So they join in and everybody sings together. It's very wholesome. And oh, then, I thought these carolers were gonna secretly be like up to mischief. No, they're just people. They're just singing. They're just carolers. Wow. Just carolers, yeah. And then on Christmas, it actually turns out everybody got each other gifts, including something for the cat. I mean, if we'd probably just not get ourselves presents and just get something for Cheeto. <laughs> well, Johnny just managed to pick up, like, a little catnip mouse when they went to the pet store that first day. Yeah. And he just held on to it. Uh-huh. So they're all very touched, and the gifts, like, are generally pretty... Bland. I mean, it's what you would expect. It's literally just like the gesture. And then after Christmas, they all get back into schoolwork, and their mom has also made them start singing every night (laughs) together. Like she, she's like she turned into uh, Julie Andrews from The Sound of Music. (laughs) Yeah. So in January, they all start really practicing at skiing. Miranda's concerned about the ski practice burning unnecessary calories, but it's good for them to have mobility and Mm -hmm. the option to get into town. On January 5th, they're visited by one of their neighbors that they went caroling with who just begs them for medicine. They're like, my wife is really sick. Like, we need anything. And they give him some aspirin, but that's it. The following week, everybody except Miranda also gets sick. So their mom and Johnny are down for the count. Matt's still conscious, but he's like also ill. So he offers to go get Peter, but Miranda makes him stay behind because she's the only one who's well. So she books it to the hospital, which there's no more guards. Mm-hmm. So she just runs inside and starts asking for Peter. But then she finds out he died the weekend before. Oh, yeah, so it's she manages to talk to these two ladies at the desk, and they're like, a really bad strain of flu, like the one in 1918. They say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, so they're like, a bad strain of flu has gone through town and wiped out, like, the entire hospital, basically. Like, half the town. Oh, great. So she goes back home, and she tells Matt that... Peter's dead and they're on their own. So she manages to take care of everybody. She gets them to eat, gives them medicine. Because they they did have, like, cold and flu medicine. They just didn't give it away, obviously. Yeah. Three days later, though, she's woken by Horton meowing because the sunroom is filling with smoke. So the flu backfired. So it's just like spreading smoke all throughout the not, sunroom. Not the not the the flu. Not the, the flu. The the, the, the flu. The, yes, the flu. <laughs> you know, I was like the flu backfires. Like, well, the the flu the is never a good thing. But I, we've been watching a lot of Real Housewives of New York, and they don't. None of them ever understand that there's a flu and and how to work a chimney. So I understand what you're talking about. Yes. So she rushes to get everybody out of the sunroom and like into the kitchen. I can't remember which room. I mean, she gets help from Matt. She runs down to the basement to start the furnace. What is going on? It's ice cream truck season in Brooklyn. If you've never been, if you've never been to to Brooklyn. In some, in not summertime, anytime that it's not freezing cold, there are thousands of ice cream trucks. Hello. <laughs> yeah, they're they're everywhere. It is overrun. <laughs> so, yeah, she runs down to the basement to start the furnace, and then she gets to work fixing the wood stove. So, some ice had fallen through the chimney and made everything really damp, which mm. is what caused the issue. So she has to dry it out. 
which mm-hmm. means she just has to like wait it out. Yeah. Like it's still smoky in there. She manages to get it done. Everybody survives the whole yeah. fireplace situation. A day later, her mom gets a little bit better. Like she wakes up and Johnny's still sick. And her mom's like, oh, like you should go get Peter. And Miranda is like, we can't. But she doesn't say that mm-hmm. he's dead yet. The next morning, Johnny wakes up and then they just spend the next few days slowly recovering. Miranda sleeps for like two days after everybody's better. Yeah. And then at the end of January, when her mom is finally like fully recovered, she asks Miranda, Peter came since her memory's all fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And Miranda finally tells her like, Peter died. Yeah. So Matt's also not back to 100% and he fears he never will be. Like he can't even make it all the way up the stairs. And Miranda's like, you're only this way because you helped me save everybody Yeah. from the smoke. <laughs> so now it's the middle of February and Miranda goes out on her own for the first time in like a month. This book must be almost over then. Yeah, we're getting there. And she she holds her own Olympics where she won gold in skiing and skating. I'm proud of her. Yeah, it's big. Johnny's also stopped eating supper, so he's only eating once a day as well. So that's good. Toward the end of February, the electricity comes on again for the first time. Wow. It basically just like clicks on and then back off. But this inspires their mom to check the radio and they discover that that's working again. This is where they find the broadcast of the names of the dead, but then they find a news channel. So the president is still alive. <laughs> of course. And he's reporting things are turning up and they'll be back to normal by May. Does um, that sound familiar? No comment. <laughs> um, the electricity keeps coming on and off through the end of February, and their mom listens to the radio every morning, but it's still always bad news. Mm. Yeah, does that sound familiar? Yeah. At the end of the first week of March, Miranda's mom asks her to skip meals every other day, and Miranda agrees. By March 12th, she figures out that they have about two weeks left of food if only Johnny and Matt eat. So on the 17th, Miranda gets a crazy urge to go into town. She's like, I need to see if there's anything from dad. I need to know if they had the baby. I need to know. She's just like, is hell bent on going into town. And everybody's like, you're crazy. You can't go. But Matt takes her aside and he's like, do you think you have the strength to get there and get back? And she's like, no, but if I do, (laughs) I'll come back. And he's like, I didn't want to have to say this, but like, we can't lose the skis. She's like, yeah. yeah, I know. So basically, she's like, I'll take the skis and I'll leave them at the end of the yard. So mom thinks I'm going to come back, but I'll leave them for you and Johnny. So she goes, she walks into town. It takes hours. Yeah. And when she gets there, the post office is closed. So she just like falls to the ground and she's like, I came here to die, basically. But it's probably for the best so that nobody has to like watch me die. Yeah. But then she sees something bright and at first she's like it's the sun but it's actually a flyer and it says that town hall is open fridays 2 to 4 p.m which happens to be then then yeah so she goes there and the mayor is there and he's like are you here to sign up for food and she's like what food (laughs) and he's like yeah we started this program four weeks ago so you're entitled to four bags of food Everybody gets one bag a week. So they do deliveries every Monday. And so they give her four bags of food and they bring her home in a snowmobile. And when they find that everybody is still alive at her house, they're like, okay, so you're all entitled to like 12 bags of food or whatever. All right. And they're like, the worst is almost over. So you're fine. And so the next week is Miranda's birthday. The mayor drops off 10 bags of food, which isn't everything they're entitled to, but they'll bring more later. And uh, that's the end of the book. That's a horrible ending. Yeah. It really just just ends. It just ends. Like, the ending is, like, her being, like... So throughout the book, she talks about, like, why am I keeping this journal? Like, who's it for? And she's just, like... The ending is just about her, like, reflecting on why she wrote the journal. 
and like continues to write the journal. But that's your only closure is they get food and that's it. This wasn't as sad as I was expecting. It's more sad like reading it because I left out all of her introspective thoughts. I was expecting it to be like the jungle and like everyone's dead. No. The the real depressing shit is just reading her like struggling with everything. Oh yeah. And like I guess the that, real yeah. details. The actual plot points themselves aren't like on themselves depressing, no, but I just don't like books that just end yeah. like that. No, the the ending was pretty unsatisfying, I have to say. Very James Joyce. <laughs> Not as sad as James Joyce, though. He would have been, like, end mid-sentence, but implies that everything sucks. Yeah, like, I honestly would have preferred if she just died, <laughs> to be honest. That but... would have been a better ending. Yeah. But it's just like, God, oh, we have food. Well... No closure on, like, where did that food come from? What's happened? Like, nothing. No closure. But also, no. it's not, like, a, that sad of an ending. No, it's a pretty lame ending. Yeah. Oh. But it is very sad, just like... Read I'm not going to read this. No. I would not read this book. No. No. I'm no. living through coronavirus. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, no, when I when I was reading, like, the um the grocery store scene, I was reading on the train, I literally, like, I literally, like, teared up a little bit. So I was like, this is too, like, similar. So what would you, like, what, what do you think your plan of action would be in this situation? Well, are we assuming that we're here in New York? Um, assuming we... Because here's the thing. Everybody I know lives on the coast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm just like, because if I didn't die, I, I feel like, you know, scavenging. I'd yeah. be like, you know, fine. Like, you know, I don't know. People with guns would probably shoot me down in like five seconds. But like, I mean, if you survived in Maine, you could just hit a pole in spring. <laughs> spring. I would ransack their, fa- their like warehouse. Yeah. So... Oh, here's a fun... So I looked up the companion novel because I was curious Mm -hmm. what happens in New York. But apparently this book and The Dead and Gone, which is what the other Mm -hmm. one is titled, are inspired after the film Meteor from 1979. Mm. And she says that the people who have the most to lose if the world comes to an end are kids. And she wanted to see how characters would cope in a situation that was out of their control. So, do-do-do. Well, that's a similar premise to this book um, I'll probably cover at some point called Green Angel where it's kind of about... Is it about fallen angels? No, this one's not about any angels. <laughs> it's about, like, this... It's It was kind of it, it, looking at how kids would, and specifically teenagers, kind of alone in a post-9-11 type situation. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it's all about, like, kind of looking at how that would effect instead of, like, a, a natural disaster or if, like, a, a kind of, like, the same age post-terrorism, which is nowadays even more relevant. So the other one is about Alex Morales and his sisters, Brianna and Julie. It seems like they eventually escape New York, and hmm. oh, apparently their their parents are both presumed dead Yeah, because their mom was in the subway and their dad is in Puerto oh. Rico. And... What where did they go? I can't find like a whole synopsis, so I'm not sure. I'm just getting this information from the list of characters. <laughs> wow. So yeah, people similarly just like some people go to Texas, some people go to Oklahoma. Okay. But yeah, I did read it and I remember absolutely nothing. Hmm. So anywho, well you know they actually the end, you know what, what book also had a weird uh, kind of apocalyptic questionable no answer conclusion. What. Um, the last book in the series of unfortunate events. Oh, so didn't, didn't read that. S- spoilers for anyone who, like, fifteen years later, <laughs> Has cares. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mary, do you care? No. So, basically, a uh, vi- some kind of like virus, like 
poison type thing is released by the villains in the world and the Baudelaire orphans are on an island and horseradish is like the antidote and they know that and mm-hmm. they survive and then it's like the series from what I remember I haven't read it since I was a kid but from what I remember it ends with them like going on a boat to sail back to the mainland like some time later just to see what's what's left of the world mm-hmm. and it just ends yeah this also reminds me of an episode of the Twilight Zone oh, I love Twilight Zone where this guy gets locked into a vault Mm. And then they like the nuclear apocalypse happens, yeah. and he gets out, and everything is well, gone. That's, that's except- how. That's like the start of um the Walking Dead, because the guy wakes up from a coma. Yeah, but the fucked up thing is. All he wants to do in his life is read, so he finds the library, all the books are there, and then he drops his glasses and breaks them. Oh, and then it's just over! I think about that shit all the time. That's so sad. I hate the Twilight Zone, I can't handle it. Oh, that's so sad. I mean, that's like this co- comedian that I like, she got LASIK eye surgery recently, uh-huh. um, and she was just like, I'm ready for the apocalypse. I'm. You guys think you're, you're gonna be depending on your glasses? <laughs> truth yeah i i do love those like twitter posts and whatever they're like i really do have to pay to see huh <laughs> like damn that's true yeah well I, mean, I don't but i mean i i have prescription glasses but i can i can see without them it just hurts <laughs> <laughs> that's good it's just near i i'm farsighted so in the apocalypse i think that's what matters yeah especially where like i'm good with a bow and arrow mm-hmm. so if i can get my hands if i just raid a cabela's or whatever well, see, that's the problem about, like, if we were in this situation in New York, resources are so limited. So let's say there's not tsunamis. Let's say the city isn't no, if the, No, that's what I'm saying. This is, like, if, if we manage to survive the tsunami and there's, you know, less people, then we could manage. But if it's straight up, like, this population just panicking, we're no. We're all dead. All of us. Well, we already know the rich people... They're, they're leaving. Yeah. We could go ransack Williamsburg because it looks like all the rich people in Williamsburg moved to, like, fucking Vermont or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the extreme couponers, though, fucking they're fine. Yeah. I mean, I do know a hoarder. <laughs> well, is he hoarding canned food? I don't know. I don't ask. All the doomsday preppers, though, they'd be like, finally, validation. They really would. Yeah. <laughs> there would be a lot of weird cults and religions that would pop out of this. Have there been any weird cults that have popped out of coronavirus? I don't know. Probably. N- not counting the Proud Boys? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that started before corona. I'm not the one out of the both of us who are into cults. <laughs> well, most of I, most of them, no, like, usually they don't get covered until they've done something drastic. So there probably is something. I'm sure there is. And they just haven't done something absolutely insane. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, anyway. If you know the modern Jim Jones, slide into our DMs on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at Wyabook Podcast or email us at wyabookpodcast at gmail.com and get ready for next week because we're going to some just classic horror genre, haunted house, demonic possession, angsty teens, creepy dolls. I'm not a fan of this. Oh, my God. I... I See, that, that's, like, the funny thing is I love depressing things, but I don't like scary things. I don't like... I try not to read really depressing things because I was just, like... The, I'm one of those people, I'm like, the world's sad enough. <laughs> <laughs>
Like, if, like, like things get sad in fantasy, sure, but at least I'm in this cool fantasy world. Like, mm-hmm. realism, like, depressing shit, no, because I'm just going to assume it will happen to me. I need, a, I need some kind of separation just to, like, cushion my anxiety. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, sure, if something depressing happens in the King Killer Chronicles, well, that's a different world. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I thought about it lo- long enough, I could figure it out, but I'm not ready to unpack that emotion, so... But it is true. I bought, like, seven books for this podcast, and literally only one of them oh. does not have death as a major part. Speaking of fallen angels... We're coming up on another one in a few weeks. Oh, my God. Well, at least next next book for me is going to just be a, a YA romance. Is it Sarah Desmond? Drama. Yep. But it does Woo! have a death. But it's not a main character death. It's an off-screen. Yeah, yeah. So thing. next week, we get creepy, haunted house. I can't, There's probably going to be so many ghost adventures references. Oh, my God. <laughs> so stay tuned. Woo! And uh, prepare for the apocalypse. Mm, I won't. I don't have room. Yeah. Where am I supposed to put all those cans? (laughs) That's the problem. Well, goodbye. Bye!